Pai, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Enlightened Conversations. Each week, we invite guests to share their views on the world, work, and their personal lives in an enlightened way. Our hosts have been chosen especially to role model just how we do an enlightened conversation. This episode is produced by Michelle Lightworker and sponsored by the Lightworker Foundation. Hi everyone, it's Michelle Lightworker here and welcome to Enlightened Conversations. I'm pretty excited as per usual, but really excited today. Uh, I've got a wonderful small sister guest, EJ Love. She's coming live through the waves today energetically. I can feel them like we're so lucky. I hope it translates across to you guys. I'm sure it will. I was, we were chatting about this and our intention is both very much from a love space. And, um, and, and for those of you who don't know EJ Love, I will mention a little bit about her. EJ Love has a vast knowledge on love, relationships, intimacy and sex combined. And together they have led her to being aptly dubbed the love priestess where she helps her clients to empower and heal themselves in relationships love intimacy and sex with studies in love and relationships as well as personal development she has created online programs one-on-one coaching workshops and retreats which have helped hundreds of women and men to release and heal their pasts to love themselves now and move forward with confidence in their love and sex lives. EJ is regularly featured and interviewed in media, is a speaker and has regularly published articles in magazines, including our very own Light Worker Advocate magazine. And she was on our front cover in July, which was an awesome, beautiful cover. Mm. And more recently has um, come into a new expansion of herself. And I haven't caught up with EJ since the end of, kind of towards the end of last year, was probably after we bumped into each other on a, a hotel airport in Bali. <laughs> that was really random, wasn't it? But how cool yeah, is yeah, that? Yeah. I love that. So cool. So, so cool. cool. So, so looking forward to a girly catch up with you. Mm, thank you. I'm actually really excited to be here as always. <laughs> I just love uh, everything that you're doing. Same, same. And I love, I, I treasure what you're doing because I really feel that um, you know, being this human being in this body that we're actually in and that everybody's sitting wherever they're sitting or walking or whatever you're doing, we've all got one thing in common and it's a body, okay? <laughs> we all have a body if we're a human being. So it's about really being that vessel that we talk about, EJ, like of being that energy of love, but actually allowing that to, to be in our whole experience as a human being and that includes mm. sex and that includes embracing our humanity and our physical bodies so i really love what you're doing thank you so um i i know that for you this has been a real journey i mean it's over the past solid like it was five, five or so years majorly isn't it that you've come from one one place and you've really moved into who you are. And do you want to share a little bit about your journey, just so that people have a bit of a, a little bit of an idea of where, where you've, where you've yeah. been and yeah, yeah. where you are now, which is amazing. Yeah, wow. That's a, <laughs> how long have we got? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, 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 it's fine. Um, 
so I guess I've had a fairly um, interesting journey when it comes to uh, relationships and sex is there's been a lot of my journey and you know a lot of people that end up in the field of coaching or healing tend to speak from their own experience so my experience has really been uh, coming from a place of um, having having a fairly um, you know I guess a normal childhood um, but ending up in uh, relationships where um, you know I would feel rejected or abandoned or and I'd ended up in um, toxicity and abuse and it was really interesting because I didn't have any abuse uh, growing up but I got um, involved in relationships sort of quite yeah, well, at 17, I got married, basically. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. Um, and I, I rebelled and I ran away and I just uh, kind of, because um, <laughs> um, my parents separated and that's kind of part of the story there that kind of started my journey into, oh. um, yeah, yeah, numbing my life where I would, um, you know, end up living this pretty wild party lifestyle and ended up becoming, um, you know, a swinger and had lots of casual sex relationships and, and really shut my heart down and avoided connection after my first heartache. And so I was just numbing my life through all these different coping mechanisms and vices, which on that surface kind of looked like I was just having fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like well, a well, yeah, party, you know, like sex partying, you know, drug, sex, rock and roll, that sort of stuff. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, having all these relationships that were just, you know, self-sabotage or just attracting. Um, I attract a lot of uh, narcissistic relationships. When I look back now, when I discovered what narcissism was, I could see that uh, a lot of the men I attracted were definitely had this tendency to be that way. And I would always come from this kind of rescuer, wanting to help people. And I think it's very natural for a lot of us that um, are, you know, natural born healers, that we tend to end up in relationships where we are wanting to help the person and also avoiding our own stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I was going to help people and it, yeah, put the attention. Yeah, I love that because yeah. I, I, I really resonate with what you're saying there because often when we've, we've had our, I don't know, seen your posts or whatever it is and I'm thinking, yes, yes, we're on the same page. It's like, you know, with the narcissist thing because it's like we only attract narcissists because it's like an externalised immoderate version of what we need to be doing for ourselves, which is taking care and loving ourselves. So we've, mm -hmm. we've you know, loving everyone else and then we're, we're, this kind of disowned in that process the fact that yeah. we actually need to be doing that for ourselves which i know you're a big advocate of so totally it's quite, yeah quite enlightening for people when they realize that that's how simple it can be to not attracting a narcissist yeah exactly exactly and it's um one of the things i talk about a lot is just looking at the wounds that that keeps being triggered when those people come especially keep having the same patterns over and over um Absolutely. so through yeah, yeah. So through um, swinging, it led me to work in the sex industry. So um, that was about seven years ago now. Sorry, six years ago. And then through about three, three years ago, um, I started to discover Tantra. And I started to, after I went through about five years ago, I went through, you know, the, you know spiritual awakening. And, um, and then I discovered that I wanted to add more of, uh, well, I discovered my healing abilities and I wanted to add more of that to what I was doing, working in the sex industry as an escort. And so I basically um, started to bring in Tantra because I, well, I discovered that I need to heal myself first because I was really disconnected 
sexually. And so, yeah, so then this led me to Tantra and sexual healing and also doing sex coaching. So I do, um, yeah, just basically from all my life experiences and all the deep healing work that I've done and the courses and the workshops and the personal development, as you mentioned before, I've really developed my own processes and obviously intuitively as well, created things and um, yeah, to now to do a whole lot of different programs and workshops and coaching. And it's amazing. I absolutely love what I get to do every day. So that's just a real kind of quick uh, <laughs> summary of uh, my journey so far. Yeah. And I think it's really brave and everything that you're able to speak about it because there's so many of us um, that have, I believe, externalized that love that we need to be internalizing and attracted those relationships um, and wanted to I guess use and you know in our in our way abuse well yes definitely abuse ourselves by using yep. sex as a way to get that love um, a way to feel good enough and a way you know so many of us have walked that journey and I, you know I think it's so wonderful that you are able to speak so openly about it. Not only that, but to show people that it can be, well, I believe it is a catalyst for enlightenment, that, 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 that living that story has led to amazing enlightenment and awakening for you to the point now where you're able to, to, to intuit and, and create programs that you know are gonna be helpful and healing. That are, that, that are really cutting edge because they're right where society is on their consciousness level. And, and, and people may have written courses um, in the past and, and they are valid, but what I see happening with you is I see that you're really uh, tuning into the real modern day uh, men mentality of the millennium generation, you know, a lot of your, a lot of the way you're doing what you're doing is, is cutting edge because it's, it's using things like Snapchat and live streams and you're really, you're, you're really onto it, honey. I just, I'm, I'm just excited that you're able to do that and attract a whole new level of healing at a younger level too. Um, so that, so that we, we have, that kind of information flooding our society, not just the other, which, which there's so much of. And so thank you for that because I can see that it's making massive change and the ripples are incredible. So well done. Oh, thank you. Um, that's interesting to notice. So, yeah, no, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I just you just say how it is too. I just love that about you. you just like you um and you just yeah you don't take you out i always like to say this is this is this is key uh for enlightened conversations i like to say don't ever take you out of the equation the minute you take you out of the equation that you think that yes in oneness we're all one and and that's the higher order but you forget you you forget that you're a multifaceted gorgeous diamond with so many different aspects to you that you you start to take the diamond too seriously and you lose the shine and you don't, you, you don't, you just have, you are just, you're just brilliant and you allow yourself to just be all the dimensions of the, the facets of your, your diamond. And I, I'm a big advocate for that because I feel like the minute we take our humanity, our personality, our quirkiness, our 
bits and bobs that make us the, 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 the person that we are, we, that's not enlightened to me. That's, that's mm. actually anything but really awesome that you uh, let yourself be you. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think that's also um, something that I've learned, particularly in the last year or so, is that I, I think in the past I would have kind of tweaked things and edited things. And uh, I remember when I first started doing videos, uh, which actually wasn't too long ago, like when I started doing like live streams and stuff, I'd look back and go, oh, I shouldn't have said that and I shouldn't have done that. And now I'm just like, yep, put it out there, whatever, it's going to come out. And it was so funny because it'd be like a a three minute video and then I'd kind of go, Oh, <laughs> and now it's just all, all out there. And yeah, I talk about things like orgasm and um, just stuff that people don't often just put out there. And it, I look back and a year ago, it's like, I probably wouldn't have posted something like that. And people have said, Oh, I can't believe you post like, but in a good way, they're like, I love that you posted that, but that you've got balls. I'm like, Oh really? That's just like normal conversation for me. <laughs> So the more that I've talked about this stuff, the more it just becomes normality. And I forget that it's actually not normal for, <laughs> for other people. But, yeah. So. Okay. But that's the hope for this whole show too. Like, I really want this kind of dialogue just to be normal. But a lot of people would be like, oh, do you know, because that's what, not what they're used to. Um, they tune in, they're used to, oh, Michelle's going to ask a few structured questions to EJ and da, 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 and she's got an agenda and all right. It's like, no, actually no. And people are really, um, I believe a lot, coming into the intuitive faculty and their clairvoyance a lot, a lot more now in relation to what they see on television than ever before. And they're just sitting there, I believe, practicing their psychic abilities, reading people, especially reading people who are interviewing other people and reading the people who are answering. So they're like, you know, people are fine tuning their bullshit detectors, uh, watching television and things like that now. That's how they're actually developing their psychic abilities in modern day. You, you do it, I do it, we all do it, right? We do. And that, that, will ha that will be how we make our choices of where we want our face to be or what have you as well. Because not everybody's going to represent what we're about the way we authentically feel we're going to, you know, we want to get the message across. And mm. if you've got people challenging it, sure. But if they've got a hidden agenda, then if you can read it ahead of time, why wouldn't you? And then put your energy somewhere else where it's much more effective. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, big, I'm a big believer that... Um, yeah, just be ourselves and, and, and role model that. Is there so much power in that, EJ? So much power mm. in that. No idea how much power that is. So powerful. And when I, when I look at, um, like, little kids, um, that is how they learn what they learn from their parents is the role modelling. It's not the parents saying, do this, do that. It's what the parents do. And if you look at society as emotionally disabled a lot of people are because they're out of touch with their feelings or what have you. They need a, a, a shitload of role modeling to get them to see what, what is a functional conversation? How do people actually speak? Uh, what does it look like? And so hence how we're doing what we're doing, giving people permission to speak about their authenticity, what's really real for them. That's massive. I reckon mm. I think great big time society change in consciousness and expansion. Yeah, totally. I think with social media in particular, we're just getting so much more of a voice now and to just say exactly what's coming up for us. And I think for me, I'm really lucky to have, and you would be the same, you know, just a, people on my Facebook who are 
you know, really focused on helping people and really have a mission and a message. So when I go onto my Facebook every day, like I constantly bombarded with, you know, inspiration and it's so amazing. Yeah. It's so cool. Love it. I know you get the occasional random person that you think, Oh, I must've accepted their friend request unconsciously. But anyway, it's, you know, that we're not relating on that level that I'm here for. And if that's the case, that's cool. Um, they're still serving a purpose too. And they, they still show me how far I've come <laughs> as well. And also how clear I am yeah. about what of I feel. Course. You, yeah. you know, we're still, we're still learning how much we don't really know we know as much as how much we know we don't know as well. But we're still sometimes... <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm still catching up with myself going, shit, yeah. I know that. Oh, how did I know that? You know, because yeah. it through what have you. But um, yeah, I've still got that human part that goes, wow, I know that. That's really clear in me, you know, and, and that person yeah. sounds really like all over the place or confused or what have you. But no, no judgment. It's just, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Of what's course, floating of your boat right now? I'm curious. Oh, okay. What's floating my boat? My boat. Mark, I <laughs> took my boat because I'm so excited. <laughs> Men, men are floating my <laughs> right now. Um, the last few months, probably the last six months actually, I've really taken this focus on healing the relationship I have to men. Um, you know, I'm at the point where, you know, obviously I've experienced these abusive toxic relationships and I did a lot of healing in the last two years, well, probably the last three years around that. Um, but specifically the last six months has all been about looking at how am I really showing up in the world in relation to men and how can I love them better? How can I love them? And because I work with men, uh, you know, obviously working in the sex industry, you know, seeing men, I've worked like I've worked with thousands of men. <laughs> and so now as a you know, tantra practitioner and sexual healer, I have men come to me that come for healing and they come for um, learning and I see men in a different light rather than before, you know, men would come, you know, I mean, often they're coming for company or intimacy. Some are just wanting to get these needs met for sexual expression. And, you know, I could have a filter there that I'm just a body to them or I'm just, you know, I'm just being used for sex or, you know, even I'm being paid for it. Um, it's like, I'm just, you know, that was just a job. I was getting paid to provide men with sex basically um and so you know i really had to look at kind of my belief systems around men and so i've noticed how much my work has shifted and my clients have shifted simply because of that because i'm showing up differently and i have actually recently yesterday i was writing about men and how i see men and noticing that you know i sit with men in my sessions and we look into each other's eyes and it's just so beautiful because it's just like to see like these, when I'm with them, they like their masks just drop. And instead of seeing them coming in, you know, to be with a, you know, <laughs> a blonde woman um, with a curvy body, you know, I see them coming in with wanting to connect with really wanting to drop into their heart space and looking for something deeper in their lives. And, you know, I get the guy, you know, I had a guy yesterday who was like, my wife is really ill and we can't, you know, there's no intimacy and, 
you know, she's just so ill. And I was just like, I felt like this empathy for him, like this poor guy, like, you know, he's probably, you know, absolutely loves his wife, but he's not getting his needs for intimacy met. And we were exploring, uh, it was a tantra massage session. So this is a way of him getting those needs met in a really healthy way. And I have clients like it all the time, you know, they come because, you know, they're having issues around um, not being able to perform properly and not being able to please their woman. And what I've really learned is how much, it's so beautiful, men really want to please and provide for us. Like they want to be our hero. And we as women are not so as a whole, are really not allowing them to do that. We are like, I'm independent and I'm strong and I don't need a man. So I'm just going to, women tend to emasculate men. It's quite common these days because of what's happened in the past around um, us feeling, you know, especially if we've experienced abuse, we have to be safe and we have to take control and we're not going to let a man um, control us or tell us what to do. So I'm just going to do it myself. Um, and this is when the rescuing and stuff can come in. So it's really, really interesting. And just for me, it's been this real switch from going to that Miss Strong, independent, rescuer, control type of place to having to drop into really receiving and appreciating and acknowledging. And just, yeah, it's just a, just a real big flip. And to notice, like noticing, okay, where men are wanting are showing up for me with love, where they're showing up for me in appreciation, where they're wanting to help me, and I haven't been letting them. Like, I was like, oh, they must want something from me. They must expect something from me if they're giving to me. And it's like just I've been in such a noticing the last six months of where my head's going and just being aware. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I'll give you a quick example. I was at the gym the other day, and I had, the, I had this drink bottle. It's a cool drink bottle. <laughs> And um, one of the trainers came up. He was like, oh, that's a cool drink bottle. Like, you know, and then another one of the trainers come up. I was on my last set at the gym and he took my drink bottle. And I was like, my first thought was, oh, he's stealing my drink bottle. Why is he taking my drink bottle? <laughs> and then the other trainer was like, oh, he's going to fill it up for you. I mean, I didn't say it. He didn't, I hadn't said that out loud. I thought it in my head. And I was, I was like, oh, where is he going? Like, I'm going to need that. <laughs> and then he went and he filled it up for me and he brought it back. And I was like, oh, like, and then, I was, then in my head went to, oh, it's because my drink bottle was so cool. He just, was, <laughs> and what about he just wanted to do a nice thing and fill up my drink bottle for me, you know? And it was almost like, there's a story. I was like, why would he fill up the bottle for me? Like, why is he not filling it up for everyone else? Like it was just noticing. I just noticed and I made that a constant practice. So this is what's in my what this what's finding my boat at the moment is just looking at as we as women, how we are relating to men and what are our stories and our filters and how is it how are we showing up? That is actually disempowering us. Yeah. I love that. I love yeah. that. I, I yeah, I can so relate to that. And I was talking to someone the other day about um, the fact that my current husband, who we've been together ten years this year, and I was saying, like, you know, if I'd met him, you know, 20 years ago, I probably would have been put off by him because there were, there were men that were like him around me that I would have nothing to do with because I felt so uncomfortable with the fact that they were so generous and so giving. It made me feel sick. And that, for me, was a sickness, that I felt sick when someone wanted to give to me. 
And so I can relate to what you're saying is that, you know, we need, and, and the way we, I think the way we are able to not emasculate men when they're coming from the giver or the masculine energy of giving the yang energy towards us is to be comfortable in our yin or our receptivity, isn't it? But we can't do that if we haven't given to ourselves already. And so it did take a bit of practice, but not only that for me, I think it took, I remember I just made a decision one day, just like that. I just went, you know what, I'm gonna be, I'll just say, it. I'm just gonna be fucking comfortable with receiving from now on, that's it. I deserve it, there's no reason why I shouldn't, and I'm just going to be. And it was that switch, not just I'm willing to be, but I'm, I'm going to be, I've decided I'm gonna be comfortable with it. Um, I'm gonna be comfortable with loving myself, I'm gonna be comfortable with being selfish and putting myself first if I need to, to take care of myself, I'm gonna be comfortable, 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 and I just make this decision. And seriously, it was not very long after that that I actually met Tony. And I was, yeah, it was just like, okay, you're here. I wasn't quite ready for a full-time relationship at that stage. I think I shared this with you before. Mm. I wasn't quite ready when I met my relationship. I just want to go play, play, play. So I'd been in relationships for 11 years straight. And I didn't want to have a relationship. But it was like too much, uh, too, too, uh, the, the energy around the relationship was obviously uh now 10 years later knowing how you know how it is uh it was too too much to ignore and even physiologically i had a nosebleed and things like that because i was denying what i needed to do so it's kind of interesting though to to come from a place of that masculine energy and then really own the decision to step not to, to, to not be in the masculine ever in our relationship, because mm. I am, I'm very giving, he is too, but to be able to do this, to be able to do that is really cool. Mm. And yeah, and to take the blinkers off and not see it's about men, but it's just about the energy flowing. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's so much to it. It's just, uh, it's been so interesting learning about it and really having to take self-responsibility as well. And I think, you know, a lot of the reasons that we sort of don't allow ourselves to receive is because it's, it's very vulnerable. Um, and because receiving means that we have to be seen and we have to feel worthy of it. And so often we just, you know, we'll make ourselves not worthy. We'll tell ourselves that we'll make it, you know, like we'll justify it somehow. Like, you know, the, the drink bottle example is like, you know, I was somehow justifying, well, that can't be that he's doing that for me. It must be because of this thing, you know, and it's not really about me or, or maybe it is that he's wanting something else or, you know, it was like trying to, it's like some story about why you're not worthy of receiving love from, from men. Uh, especially if you haven't felt like you've received a lot in the past or in childhood, you may have had, um, it's interesting actually. I, I always felt my dad was very, a very loving, kind father and, um, we actually had a conversation though, which was really hard because I couldn't understand, you know, how did I end up in abusive relationships? If I hadn't been abused as a child, I was like, kind of like, well, you know, most people have had this childhood experience. Um, but what I also discovered was that this whole idea of that, this confusion of uh, the making uh, love and abuse being the same thing where, you know, you get told, you basically get told off for doing something. Like as simple as like, I can remember my dad used to, I'd 
misbehave or do something, you know, that would seem like misbehaving. And then, you know, get, you know, the smack, you know, back, you know, people obviously don't do that much, as much now, but back in, you know, when I was a child, it was normal for you to get a, a, you know, get a smack. And I remember that. And then, you know, after that, you'd have a cry and, and then, and then you'd, you'd be like, okay, come and get a hug, come and get some love. And so I see that in, you know, my past relationships, I would, you know, had a big fight. And then in the next morning it would be like, Oh, I'm sorry. You know, like let's, you know, be that love again. So it was like that kind of like that payoff of getting the abuse and then getting the love. So I think, you know, it's like receiving, just receiving love without, you know, needing to have, have done something wrong or to have misbehaved or, you know, just receiving love for receiving love and identifying what, you know, really what that is and knowing that, that you can, um, you, you are worthy of receiving that. And of course, you know, um, that is about just giving that to yourself first, but also I had to kind of rewire, you know, what, like getting an idea of what love is, you know? So that was, um, really interesting to look at those, you know, associations that we can have of um, how love has shown up. So, yeah, so my dad, yeah, sorry, I was going to get to this. My dad interestingly said that, you know, we sat down and he's quite spiritual and, um, you know, conscious these days. And he said, oh, you know, I want to talk to you about something is that, you know, when you were a child, I felt like that I used to take love away from you. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? I don't understand. Like, I thought you were like, I was like daddy's little girl. He's like, no, no. Like sometimes I was around and I was there and I loved you, but then sometimes I just would kind of energetically pull away and I would just be like, oh no, I can't be there right now. And I never felt that, but I would have actually felt that. I would have felt this love being taken away. So yeah, it was really interesting that he brought that up because that's led to my relationships being very push-pull, like back on and off, on and off, or, you know, I'd push them away and then I'd bring them back and I'd push them away. And so that kind of patterning is really, really interesting. And that fear of the man taking the love away, that if I give him love, then it will be taken away or I will get hurt or that sort of stuff can have definitely played out. So it's, it's really interesting because you know, men actually do want to be, um, do want to be there for us, do want to be present for us, but we've got to allow that to happen. So we've got to allow them to be there and, and be vulnerable and know that, you know, maybe they might not be present all of the time, (laughs) Um, but just not make that mean anything about us and our worthiness to be loved. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's a great observation, isn't it? Hey, and then a validation from your dad around that. Um, mm. I just love like when we're willing to explore something and spirit sends the, sends the information and, you, you know, yeah. you say, I'm going I'm I'm to explore more of this stuff around men. What's going on with me with that? And then, then you're given all this information uh, to clarify exactly where those patterns might have, may have started on that, that frequency or that pattern that you got used to and how that's, yeah. I, I guess the way I see it is it, it, that was a microcosm and then you experienced the, the full-blown macrocosm of that, you know, the big, you know, stuff in relationships, the toxicity, the abuse and all that kind of stuff yeah. because of the rumbling back then. And so, yeah, I think that's really helpful for people mm. to hear 
because it yep. helps them because you know you do hear this don't you you do hear this oh no i had a fine childhood but why, why do i have shit relationships i don't get it you know and so yeah oh, well, you know there might be a few little rumblings there that that no one had the intention of making your childhood shit but you mm. you know there were still some components to it because we are here ej i think this is how i look at relationships we're always in relationship to something at any given moment in time we can't we never we're never not relating we're always mm. in relation and so how important are relationships and you can't say that we've perfected them and so we've you know been this little child you know along this journey and you don't have to label your childhood as bad or parents as bad to in order to say well i'm still learning how to do relationships actually um, and I, these, this is my experience as a child with relationships, with connecting, with love, with um, feeling loved. Uh, that, I think that kind of exploration is quite awesome because it really gives permission for people to say, well, hey, perfect childhood, no perfect childhood, who cares? I, I, I'm going to give myself permission to, to explore what's, what's going on for me in the here and now with, with the dynamics that I'm in or attracting. And I think that's, I think that's extraordinarily important really in order to change mm. form so that our relationships are based on equality, giving and receiving love and feeling that connection. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. And you know, we're definitely always in relationship to something because we're always in relationship with ourselves. So, which is the number one relationship. So, yeah, and I like what you said about, you know, we think that sometimes, you know, and I hear it a lot. It's like, oh, well, I didn't have anything major happen in childhood. I had an amazing childhood. And I think when I, because that's how I used to be too, and it was like almost not wanting to make my childhood wrong, like not wanting mm. to make it like, oh, you know, because you hear all these horror stories and you almost think, well, you know, what is wrong with me if I had this amazing childhood? Like, how did I end up? so fucked up <laughs> um but then when you start to really delve into it you're like oh it's when you start to go really deep with it like i do with my clients we start to get some real some things that you just like oh there's some you know that can be so little it can be something so tiny that something someone said to you once and you just <laughs> which was pretty like not even the thing that you might've thought it was. And so, yeah. and or it can be that energetic thing. Like, yeah, it's just, there's so much there when you start to get into it and yeah. it's really just, and, and of course there are the big things too, especially, you know, if, you know, parents, you know, if there was abuse or parents, you know, leave things like that, or, you know, even, you know, there might've been death and, so, you know, there can be massive things as well, but there can be like, even if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, you know, nothing really major happened. Like, yeah, I mean, even, I even talk about how with a lot of my male clients, you know, that have been circumcised, that's, you know, that's been seen as normal in the past. And that's extremely traumatic, which can use, lead to a lot of sexual trauma in, in the future. Um, and emotional trauma and a lack of self-worth and all sorts of stuff, um, which, you know, no one would really even think about. So that's, that's, a, that's a really interesting topic. 
Oh, totally. And then you've got the women who don't they're not circumcised it's like what's that about it's like like rejecting natural anatomy because they've been conditioned a certain way and it's just like wow um then then that adds to and perpetuates perhaps any shame and insecurity or trauma towards a man and yeah i can see all that like just so clear you know how that would work yeah yeah, exactly. See, I'm the other way around. I mean, I mean, actually, both are, both are beautiful. Circumcised and uncircumcised, both, both are beautiful. Um, but, you know, the man that hasn't been circumcised doesn't need as much healing. Um, so, fortunately, I know how to heal. <laughs> so, you know, if I have men come into my life as I, and they're open to it, um, then we can spot a little bit of healing there. Uh, but they're missing out on a lot of pleasure that is in the nerve endings um, of the foreskin. So, uh, yes. So it's actually, and it can actually have more pleasure for the woman as well. So lots of um, beautiful benefits there. So, you know, who yeah. cares what it looks like, really? I know. I, I, I've got two things come up that I want to... Yeah. The first thing is, is that I just wanted to say, I think it's really important to say this because I'm a mum and I have two daughters and they're both almost, well, one's an adult and one's almost an adult, that when you're, when you're working on yourself and you're done a lot of work and then you expect, and, and, and that you think that you've given your children a, a, a red hot go at a good childhood, which I think I have. Um, because I was conscious for most of that. So um, don't put the expectation on yourselves that they won't have their issues because that's inappropriate. Um, children will, that they've got their own journey and you can't, hmm, you know, spirituality for, per, for, for the perfection of being a perfect parent is, I think it's, it's a, a big thing. I think there's a lot of parents that go, I want to get spiritual so I can parent my kids perfectly so that my kids aren't wrong. Like, you know, that kind of thinking. <laughs> oh my God. And I think that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself. And I think that um, it's unrealistic expectation to put on your child as well. So I just want to speak to that because I feel like this is a red hot topic that's come up between you and I, with regards to your childhood and me as being a mum, can totally relate to. Because your kids are going to have their stuff. They're going to have their relationship issues with themselves, other people, their relationship with spirit, their relationship with their, you know, they're still finding who they are. So that's a big one. Do you, do you, does that come into your sphere in your work as well? Do you have a lot of, um, in so far as, you know, there might be things where, you know, people are, having issues with their intimacy issues in the bedroom because they have such high expectations of themselves that they that they you know they have so much shame or can't connect to themselves because that because they're do you know where i'm coming from here yeah yeah totally it's so funny you say um that about the parenting thing because the part of me says to myself i'm so glad that i haven't had kids yet because i really would have fucked them up if i had them <laughs> but in saying that I was like but I have all the tools and processes that would really help them so I think you know like you say everyone's on their own journey and you know we're only human you know people are going to go through whatever they need to go through in their life they have their lessons and yeah so yeah totally I have lots of uh and hang on before I get there is that you know, it's like what you said before, we don't know what we don't know. 
So I have people that come to me with absolutely no awareness that they might not, that, that they don't even know, understand shame. Like they're not aware that that's actually a thing, right? That that's something um, that is affecting their sex life. That's uh, keeping them stuck. That's being held in their body. That's blocking them. And then the beauty of what I do, and it's not something that I go out and I say, um, wow, how do I explain this? Um, the beauty of what I do is that when people come and talk to me, they get a healing just by talking to me because the key to healing shame is talking to someone about it and not being judged exactly. and having, and the person and the person goes, Oh, that's okay. Like that's normal. That's I'm not alone. Like that's wow. Cause some, yeah. Right. And especially, you know, if they want to express, I encourage my clients to say, Hey, like if you're feeling sexual desire, if you're something's coming up for you, I want you to share that with me. I want you to express it. Even if I can't meet those needs for you, I'm not, I'm going to be okay with it because I'm strong on my boundaries and I'm not going to go into a story about, whereas in the past I may have gone into a story about, well, that's inappropriate and this is this and, you know, that's wrong or that's this, you know, I may have gone to a story, but now because of the work I do, I really hold space for them to express themselves and open up and, and have me not judge them. So that's really important to me. And, uh, it's been definitely something that I've had to kind of rewire as well, because I've had my own stories and filters and things like that. And so, so yeah, so people, uh, just, yeah, they they come and not sometimes sometimes they really don't know what they're coming for, but they know that they there's something has to shift. They know that um that yeah, that, that something's going to um come up or change and yeah, I just love that I get to um provide that space for them. Yeah, absolutely. And it is awesome. I I agree. It's like um I think that's one of the main reasons why as a clinical counsellor for many years. I, we've self-disclosed all over the place, probably more than the Australian Counselling Association wanted me to because, but for me, the feedback I'd get from my clients was, well, when you talk about it, you make it okay, so then I can talk about it. So there was that really big element for me of don't hold anything back. If something's relevant, share it with them um, because that, that shows them and demonstrates and role models that, that there's no need to be ashamed of, of what you're going through. Um, you know, it's it's great perfection and what I call perfection recovery um, to to be able to share the parts of us that, you know, perhaps we feel aren't perfect and to share what those parts do. And I think that's really important um, because we can't come back into the middle. We can't, we, can't, we can't come back into the light if we don't shine it on the, the places that feel dark. And yeah. so it's wonderful that you can hold a space for that. Um, for people because that will help them come more into their body literally because you know what when we're shutting down we're shutting down and Mm. I saw I saw a little barometer thing where it had shame at the bottom and then it had like uh, enlightenment at the top it was kind of interesting in between there were all these other emotions but I kind of thought that was really interesting and so you know imagine if you take a little bit of that enlightenment which is the the 700 megahertz uh, vibrational frequency and you dip it down into that that shame what it does, mm. it just catapults people up to to have an experience of uh, enlightenment and aha moment, and to really feel that freedom because you know it's so heavy and it's so dense that mm. that frequency 
to unlock it. Yeah, you just feel totally. you can breathe again, right? You can breathe again. I mean, that would be a, that would be a huge part of, I would imagine, um, your work that you feel that that to see that transformation. I know I have too to see people come really come into themselves and awaken. It's amazing. Yeah, I get a lot of people just say that you know it's been so liberating, and I actually say this about working in the sex industry is that you know we don't really see i guess in society we don't think oh sex workers are necessarily healers but i believe that they are because a lot of people will talk to sex workers about things they would not take tell their closest friends their partners they will not tell anyone they'll say things like and i get this a lot in general like people say to me they'll come up you know, I might just meet someone for the first time, time and they'll be like, I've never told anyone this before, but I feel like I can tell you. And they'll say, tell me something. And so, you know, one of the things working in the sex industry is that people, I guess they, because of there's so much judgment and, and shame directed towards the sex industry, is that because you work in it, people think that they, well, if they work in this, and I can tell them this, like, obviously they've got no shame. <laughs> they must, you know, because of the judgment on it. Um, yeah. And so people will open up, but also know there's no connection to the outside world. We're not going to go tell anyone. We're not emotionally connected to them, all this sort of stuff. So I believe that, um, you know, sex workers really provide this beautiful space for people to actually be able to heal some of their shame. Um, and when we sit there and go and listen and provide empathy, um, which a lot, a lot of a lot of um, people in the industry do, then we're actually providing a space of healing for that person, and, and so that's a that's really beautiful. And I just think that you know that we need to make people know that. <laughs> um, yeah, that that's that's really uh, what the power that happens there. And you're right; like the more people are, you know. Um, uh, healing shame, the more that the world is going to be enlightened, right? So the more we start making ourselves wrong, so wrong and um, looking at, you know, what, you know, looking at the love, like looking at what's loving about this and what more can I love about me or what is it that I'm judging in me that I can choose to love and how can I go about loving that? So, yeah, yeah. shame. I'm, I'm big on healing shame. It's a big thing yeah. um, that I'm passionate about, yep. It's awesome. Mm. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to um, bring up with, that came through as we were talking about circumcision was um, the whole vaginal uh, reconstruction um, surgery uh, thing that a lot of women are um, getting uh, operations now um, to look like uh, more the, I guess, the what they think may be the ideal-looking vagina, which... Mm -hmm. is you know often portrayed um a certain way in in you know porn and things like that so they're getting them their lips uh reduced and things like that um and i feel like kind of uh i, I just feel like there's you know unnecessary shame on women's sexual organs that they think they need to go ahead and do that i mean everyone each their own how they want to look but i also feel like there's you know it's I'm of the bigger mind. I don't really mind what people do surgery-wise as long as there's a loving impulse behind it. But if there's a yeah. shame-based impulse behind it, it, it just feels like it's contributing something to to that area of their body that's un, unenlightened. So what's your view on all that, AJ? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I feel like, you know, I don't want to shame or judge people for their choice to go and do that. But at the same time, it's like, where is that coming from? Is that coming from there's something wrong with me or I'm not good enough or if people are going to love me or my vagina, um, I need to change it. And so interestingly enough, I've had a bit of a journey with this myself. And as you're talking, I was like, Oh, I need to do a video on how I love learn to love my JJ, which actually came from working in the sex industry. Um, because you know, back when I was younger and, um, I would hear things like, Oh, you know, that girl's got big flaps or, you know, that, you know, that maybe that's not attractive and all that sort of stuff. And I can actually remember having a conversation in a toilets at one point at a, I was at a party and there's two girls in the toilets and they're like they're a bit drunk and they're like, Oh, I've got big lips. And the other girl's like, I've got big lips. I've like, I've got big lips. And I was like, Oh my God, it's normal. <laughs> it's so yeah, oh, yeah, and so it, it was uh, it triggered that um, memory. I think you were sit on Snapchat. You go, I've got big lips, and I cannot. No, flaps. flaps. That was me. Yeah, I, I was bopping along to that. Yeah, I had an idea that I was going to create like a you know a parody video of you know like the song I like big butts, but called I like big flaps and. Oh, you know. <laughs> no, I still need to do it, but. Uh, yeah, so um, so for me, what I found is um, obviously working in the sex industry, I had a lot of um, men that would give me a lot of compliments and a lot of um, tell me how much they actually like have fuller lips. Um, cause I, and I, it's interesting because I hadn't really thought about it too much before until I heard a couple of comments, you know, had someone had said, oh, that girl's got you know, someone made a, you know, maybe not, not a compliment, but like a, a, a remark or, and so it was like the more that I sort of started to um, look after my vagina and connect to the vagina and to even introducing things like yoni massage and just loving it in that way, then it, it like doesn't really matter what it looked like. And so I was just like, oh, I've got more to play with, right? <laughs> so my, my view is that, you know, it's all about just caring and loving what we've got um, and really self-caring that. And, you know, everyone's going to have different opinions and different judgments based on, you know, their own experiences and their own filters. And, you know, there are going to be, you know, maybe there's going to be people out there that, like a certain type, but you know, I've, I've found that I've done just fine and been very successful with my vagina. <laughs> and it is certainly in no way perfect. Um, but what is perfect? Like what is a perfect vagina? Like, I mean, mine's pretty, mul mine's pretty multi-orgasmic these days. So to me, in my eyes, that's pretty perfect. Bang on. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is one of the reasons why I developed, I've got a, you know, women's, the orgasmic women's sexual healing program that I run regularly, which is actually um, just, just started. So, um, you know, if anyone's watching is interested in, you know, learning to love their vagina a bit more and learning to, um, or yoni in tantra, we call it, which means uh, divine place is yeah. that, um, 
and we do a lot of sacred yoni care and also learning to become more multi-orgasmic and experience lots of different types of orgasms. So for me, my focus is not about how it looks. It's more about how I look after it and how it feels, you know, um, because if we're judging it on how it looks, then we're going to actually be disconnected from the pleasure because, exactly. yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. And it's back to that thing that we were talking about before is that we're always relating to something and we are, we're, we're either connecting or we're disconnecting and in relationship to our vagina. And we, it's like, well, what kind of relationship do we have? Is it a connected one or is it a disconnected one? Is it a judgmental one or is it an all embracing one? Where are we mm -hmm. with our, yeah. Cause I think, yeah, we tend to disown actual chunks of our body sometimes. Totally, um, totally. But um, I know we're sort of almost out of time and I really want to, of course, um, I mean, it's never going to be enough time with you, sweetheart, but um, I, I want to make sure people can find you and yeah, sure. You know, make sure, I know that there's some upcoming stuff happening, so please feel free to let people know that now. Yeah, sure. That time went like super fast. Wow, wow. Um, yeah, so I do, I've got some retreats. I've got a retreat in Bali coming up in June. Um, as I said, I've got my Soulgasmic Women's Sexual Healing online program and I also have a, another program which is about, you know, really self-love, relationship with self um, so that you can be in a healthy soulmate relationship. So, yeah, and I've got uh, also a, a movement called The Naked Woman Rising, which is all to do with, yeah, come, you know, owning the parts of us that have been shamed, whether that's, you know, sexually or um, with our bodies or just for anything really that we may have felt ashamed about that we are willing to, you know, step up and own. And so that's about getting really emotionally naked as well as, you know, being um, physically naked and happy with our bodies. So, so yeah, I've got a lot of different things that I do and it's always shaping and evolving and um, especially, you know, been doing a lot of work around loving men um, and setting up women's like, mini events and things like that. So that's heaps of fun. And I do a lot of that at my retreat. We look at, um, we really look at the, you know, a relationship to men. So yeah. Yeah, there will be plenty more of that coming. Yeah. And you've got lots of stuff. You've got Snapchat. You've got, what, what's your Snapchat handle again? Yeah, so Snapchat, yeah, is EJ Love Angel on Snapchat. Yeah, yeah. So and then, You're so hilarious, yeah. sweetheart. Thank you. You do little updates in all your little characters. It's so funny. I and uh, I just love it. You just let yourself be whatever mood you're in. Good, good on you, honey. I love um, talking about doing sex tips and funny voices and characters. It's pretty interesting, I think. Uh, I should just do that all day, every day. I could, really. Um, yeah, and then ejlove.com is my website, um, which has everything sort of on there that you can find at all my events. And, and then at Facebook, ejlovepriestess on there. So got all the bases covered. Yay. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens. Like I'm... I just feel like um, it's kind of, you know, when you get in touch with someone and you've got similar journeys and you're like doing them in different ways and all that kind of stuff, but it's exciting to watch the parallel lives, um, what's happening. And, and I'm definitely riveted. I'm at the edge of my seat and I hope that people feel the same way about you because if they can see what I see, they'll see somebody who's really pioneering some amazing work in helping people to really reclaim and love themselves in very deep, deep, deep ways that 
in humanity, in that mm. sphere of humanity. So important. Um, let's not fear it. Let's embrace it. It's that's that's we're here, and we've got this body, as I said, and you know, let's enjoy it while we we're here in this in this form. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. I really, I really appreciate that. And yeah, I've just loved having this conversation. I love that it was just <laughs> you just didn't know where it was going to go. Circumcision, vaginas, like men. Exactly. <laughs> love it. Yeah, love, love, love it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And uh, you can catch EJ um, on Facebook, her website, Snapchat. Go right ahead and do that. Do yourself a favour. She's an awesome being in this world and she's he's sharing the love in, in extraordinary ways.